0: Because our tendency is when our kids do wrong, we do wrong, and it doesn't help them do right. But if we can do right when they do wrong, we invite them up into maturity. Yes, spiritual maturity, but also just behavior in our homes that can set them up for a lifetime of right behavior. And with God, that's possible.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Annika, and this is the Tried and Truth Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode and a new season on the Tried and Truth Podcast. So glad you're here and excited to kick off this new season with Wendy Speak. Wendy is that person in your life that you never realized how badly you needed but always wanted. Just that mentor, that friend, you are just going to feel like she is coming alongside of you and just... Meeting you and I in all of our struggles, Um, true confession, I discovered Wendy a few years back after um, realizing that I had become the mom I didn't want to be, just this angry mom. And I had heard her speak on a podcast and lo and behold, when I went online to the internet for um, all good resources and looked for resources for moms who felt like they were struggling with anger, she popped up. It was just how I discovered her. And here we are all these years later, she has just built an incredible online community around common struggles that we face as moms, um, but has also written a handful of just super helpful resources and books. Cannot wait for you to listen in on all the wisdom and stories and just encouragement that she has to share and equip you with today. Take a listen. Wendy, I'm so glad that you are here on the podcast
0: with us. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Absolutely, you're you're my people. So your people are my people. We're gonna have a great conversation, and I, I think that the listeners are gonna be like, "Excuse me, can I chime in? Hello, can I be part of this conversation?"
1: <laughs> well, right before we clicked record, we just started talking about all the things that we can talk about. There's just so so many things, right? Um, so before I even dive into a little bit of all the things, I'd love just for you just to share. A little bit about you, and then I want to share kind of how I came across your work, and we can we can unpack that a little bit.
0: That's that's a perfect. So my name is Wendy Speak, and I am married to Maddie B. I call him, and um and we have three sons. We have been raising our boys in California, which is where I'm from. My husband's a Texan, and uh, I I like to say that COVID was stinky it was awful for everybody but it was the stinkiest in california and um just so the lockdowns went on for so long and kids were so negatively impacted um for for a long period of time and finally we just got out of dodge like many californians the great exodus um and we found our our way over here not far from you actually in the dallas fort worth area and um it's been a good move for our family it's it's not easy to settle down and it's a, a life stage of, th- of we've got 3 teenagers we have a 14 year old almost 15, some a, a child that just turned 17 and then an 18, almost 19 year old. And so settling into new schools, into new life changes. And um it's it's been a big season in our lives. But we're doing, we're doing well. We're all growing. And um, man, isn't that an opportunity for every hard season is is to for sure. to trust God more and to and to grow. For sure. Well, I love that. And I love that you ended up in
1: Texas. It's a great place to end up. So so welcome. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Texas. My husband says so too. He's the native Texan. So he's from, from Houston. But we've had some good friends here. We're involved in a great church and um and we're doing well.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad you made it to the middle. And this is a great place to to put some roots, no matter where you are. Yeah. All change. Change is good and hard at the same time. And we're just glad that you chose a good heart here near us. So. Oh, thank you. Well, I first came across your work um, because during COVID, I had left my job March 5th of 2020. I There was no flexibility at that time. And so I said, I need a little bit of time off to spend time with my boys and and write. And so March 5th was my last day. And I had no idea that March 8th would be um, the beginning of a lot of time with my children, right? Be careful what you ask right, for. Right. And, and tell me, what were their ages at that time? At the time, it was one- uh 5 and 7 so i had a kindergartner okay. virtual the one year old um and i had never been at home with them that much ever and so a lot mm-hmm. of things surfaced during that time i felt like god was giving me like the lesson of a lifetime and just bring all the raw ugly things <laughs> Out in me of yeah. being at home with all boys who just want to yell and fight and make a mess. And it's just, it was really, really hard. And so I did like what most moms do. We go to Amazon and it's like, <laughs> type in the search bar, just help, right? Right. <laughs> Angry mom, parenting scripts, it was like anything, which is how I discovered your book on triggers. And yes. so this was just so, so helpful for me. And I know I'm not alone in in feeling those feelings of just feeling like you're the, the nagging mom or feeling like you want to be this loving, kind, amazing mom. And what's coming out is everything but that. And yes. so Triggers was kind of where my um engagement with you, Wendy, all started. Um, uh, but I know you've done so many other pieces, but I'd love just to talk about a little bit about that book and how that came to light.
0: Yes, yes, we can get to all the other things because what I find is, especially with a podcast that goes out to a bunch of moms, this one just resonates. Whether we were raised in a kind of a ha- angry home environment, and we said, man, I am never going to do that or we never really had an angry interaction in our upbringing, um, you know, an explosive or, or, or or unsettling. Um, and, and then all of a sudden we have that third son (laughs) that that's my story too, is three boys. And I had that third son and it was like something broken me. I mean, yes, I actually went into a season of postpartum depression, but it was as though I couldn't cope at that point. That's a lot of testosterone. It's a lot of boys. It's a lot of noise. I didn't know that I was going to be so, um, easily overwhelmed, um, overstimulated word, yes. <laughs> by it all. Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? And um, and yet I was. And so I didn't even know to prepare myself for the ugly that would start coming out of it, not just my mouth, but my face, you know, whether it's the bulging <laughs> eyes and the spittle flying and the, what are you doing? I didn't, I was not prepared for it. And I, and I didn't know what to do with it, but I had enough of a foundation in God's word and God's faithfulness to know where to turn with all that ugly in me. And I'm, I'm reminded of the um, the scripture in Psalm 139 says, search me, oh God, know my heart, try me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there be any offensive way in me and then lead me in the everlasting way. And I'm like, um, hello, offensive way in me and coming out of me. So at least I know where to take it. And the subtitle of that book, Triggers, is Exchanging Parents' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses. And that's what my co author, uh, Amber Leah, and I wanted to do. We were actually both writing for a website that was specifically for boy moms at the time. And the woman who owned the website said, uh, we have we get so many messages from moms saying I'm struggling with anger. So let's open a, a, a what's like a private Facebook group for those who are struggling. Who can run it? And Amber said, "Okay, I was raised in that environment. I struggle with it myself. I'll do it." And within the first couple of days, we had thousands of people join it. And she said, "Um, I'm drowning. I need help." And I said, "Listen, I wasn't raised in it." and yet I'm surprised at what comes out of me. Um, I'll partner with you. And it was in that setting that one day I said, what are your triggers? And hundreds and then thousands of people started responding from everything. Why can't they get their shoes on and get in the car? To, to, I thought my husband was going to be more hands-on and I feel so alone in this to all the noise. And, and then the next day, Amber responded to the first one comment on the list. And instead of saying, hey, we want to help you get your kids to obey so you don't have to be angry, she just took everyone's heart straight to God's word and says, okay, how does God respond to us as his children in similar um, offensive circumstances where we are not honoring God, where we are not obeying God, where we are whining and complaining just like the Israelites, how did God respond to his people, and then how can that shape the way we're going to respond to our kids. And then we just, every day came back to another comment, another common trigger. And we kept those posts short and applicable and scripture rich. And people started saying, can you put this together as a book? And within a year it was, and then focus on the family reached out and said, let's talk about it. And from there, it's just exploded because it is something that to varying degrees, we're all struggling with Whether we knew it was going to be a challenge or we didn't, we want to parent the way that God's word says we should parent the way that God, the father modeled dealing with our wrong behaviors, because our tendency is when our kids do wrong, we do wrong and it doesn't help them do right. But if we can do right when they do wrong, we invite them up into maturity. Yes, spiritual maturity, but also just behavior in our homes that can set them up for a lifetime of right behavior. And with God, that's possible. I love this. I always love the story behind the
1: story Yeah, and how it all started. It started from a need. It yes. started from this need. And I remember when we had our first son, Um, the place I was working at the time threw me a baby shower. And so I asked one of the moms there who I just really, really admired, just in her walk. And I said, do you have any parenting advice for me? And she, she looked at me and said, the only thing I can tell you is whatever you're struggling with your kids mm-hmm. is usually reflection of something you're struggling with or with your relationship with God, which is kind of what you just shared. Mm -hmm. It's like, we have to go back to how did God, how does he approach us when we, as a child do those things? Right.
0: We have a follow-up book to triggers called parenting scripts. And once we pinpoint those common triggers, one of the things I say in triggers is figure out what you mean to say before you say something mean. Oh, that's good. Um, that in parenting scripts, we, we get practical. We're like, okay, well, what would those words be when the boys are, are, or girls are fighting with each other, when there's sibling rivalry, when there's back talk, when there's meltdowns over screen time or bedtime or dinner time or whatever time? Um, what right words can we say when our kids do wrong? And um, in the opening pages of parenting scripts, I encourage moms to ask God, what do you want to say to yeah. me? Before I even consider what I'm saying to others, because your, your, your mom friend was absolutely right. There's something God wants to do in us. And the problems we have usually are those setups, those perfect opportunities for the work God wants to do in us first. And from that place of maturity as Christ followers, we get to then glance over our shoulder and invite our kids to come up in maturity with us. But so often we actually turn around (laughs) putting God behind us and look at our kids and say, why aren't you more mature than you are? And we blame and we shame. Even if we think we're using all the nice words and nice tones, there's a lot of blaming and shaming when God's like, no, 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 your eyes on me, your eyes on me. Let me keep inviting you up into maturity. Let me keep transforming you. And then from that place, when you're triggered, respond as I would have you respond. My word is full of instruction. My Holy Spirit is right there to convict and guide you. That's that's really, really
1: good. I feel like the thing that I know I struggle with the most, and I've talked to some moms in my some of my mom's groups, and I feel like blame and shame are the two things that come up the most. Even yeah. when you say it in kindness, it's still Absolutely. we want to, to justify the situation, and we naturally are bent towards those words that are shaming, or, or blaming right. and having, just like you said, those those helpful kind of go-to phrases or statements or verses to remind us when our minds are in emotional overdrive and kind of pull those yes. out of our back pocket and just let that settle a moment just for a second so we can kind of regroup sure. and like you said, refix our eyes on where they need to be fixed.
0: Well, and you know, there's a there's a verse that I think most moms that were raised in the church or have gone to even a A single Bible study have probably heard, especially parenting related, have heard this verse, train up a child in the way he should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. Now, that's a lot to unpack and we don't need to camp out there. I just really want to invite you to consider one word. We're training them in the way they should go. This should, this is the way they should go. But the tendency for us is once we've trained them in the way they should go, we blame and shame them when they don't. Go that way. And that that's for, I'm, I'm talking as young as one and three and five and seven that, but you've been told when you honor your mom, it'll go well for you. And we, there's a, just a lot of language um, that we use and a lot of energy. We come at them, but that training them is going to be a long suffering, long road. Again, looking back to the way that God, the father parents us, he had a stiff necked people. He still does. And I'm one of them and so there is this long suffering not blaming and shaming there are consequences and i'm not saying that gentle parenting is permissive parenting i just mean there doesn't need to be blame and shame every time our kids do wrong it's a reminder it's like a it's like a red flag oh there's something that still needs to work on here oh still need to apparently i love the word apparently <laughs> i often say apparently my kids aren't done growing up yet. And the I say the root <laughs> word of apparently is parent. We need to keep parenting them. But so often we're offended. Man, isn't that true? We're offended that they haven't learned it yet because it's so inconvenient. so inconvenient to keep having to be worn out throughout the day. And then they want more at bedtime too. It's so hard to not be offended and take their immaturity personally.
1: Do you feel like there's been a specific um topic as you, know, whether as through the Facebook group, through the now that the book has been out for a while now, that a chapter, or a topic where you feel like the most moms have just
0: gravitated towards? I'm sure we've all kind of roller coastered through all of those mm. those chapters? You know that's interesting. I was actually thinking when I said just a moment ago what I had said about the tendency to be offended. This is not in the book Triggers, but during the launch of triggers, i I released a blog post. It was called, you are not a victim. You're a mom. And I would go and speak at mops groups and stuff like that. And I would, as I was talking to people afterwards or signing books or whatever, people would come up and say, my favorite part of the book was you're not a victim. You're a mom. And I wanted to That's say, it's not in the book. <laughs> in the book. <laughs> because you know I launched it at the same time. But I think that that is just such a huge paradigm shift that we have to get to as moms is when we stop taking it all so personally and say oh this is part of the hard part of motherhood oh okay i have to i have to persevere in christ likeness rather than in my kids likeness and that is just so hard god invites us as we abide in him and abide in his word and he abides in us and his word abides in us we're told that we're going to bear fruit and one of those Nice, juicy pieces of fruit should be self-control. But when our kids are acting out of control, if they're slamming the doors and melting down, we often slam doors and melt down. And they're rolling eyes and we roll eyes and they yell at us and so we yell at them. So I guess to go back to your question, the part that I think resonates with most people within the book is um, I use an analogy of when I hear my, my kids as siblings fighting, And I'm down the hall, I'll come down the hall ready to join the fight because it, you know, they're fighting God on my last nerve. And I like to imagine that they're in a ring, like a boxing ring. And my tendency is to open up those cords on the outside of the ring and climb in and start swinging with my words and with my facial expression. And if they're yelling, then I can yell louder. And if they're being unkind to each other, I can I can shut it down. Even if it looks kind, but it's not kind in a way that's stronger. And what I learned is a coach and Amber in the opening chapter talks about coaching our kids, Um, and so I build on it in this chapter on back talk. Coaching our children when they're fighting is actually staying on the outside of the fight. So the coach stays on the outside of the ring and you hear the ding, 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 everyone to your corners. And then the coach goes to them and coaches them. How do you fight? Well, not necessarily with your sibling, but how do you do life? Well, as a Christ follower. What does God's word say that we should do? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What's that going to look like with your sibling? And another thing that I love about that chapter is that ding, 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 everybody to your corners. It's so helpful to send kids to their room and it doesn't need to be punitive. It is actually helpful. Their amygdalas you know, all lit up, their frontal lobe isn't developed. They can't calm down. And we as moms sometimes can't calm down either. So if everyone just goes to their space and it doesn't need to be a urine timeout, it's, Hey, you need some time away so that you can calm down, play with Legos, read your book, do some coloring, take a nap, do what you want in your room, but spend some time calming down. I'm going to circle back around and spend some time with you. And we'll figure out what went wrong and how can you help it to go right next time? That's the mom as coach mentality. Uh, another thing that Amber Leah says in the book is that triggers are opportunities. Now they feel like invitations to be triggered and to explode because your kids have exploded or to melt down or to whine and complain because they're melting down or whining and complaining, but they're really opportunities to parent. So if we can keep ourselves from responding wrong when our kids do wrong, And take a moment. So when the kids spend time calming down, we spend time coming, calming down. And we refer to God's word, hide some of those scriptures in your heart. Um, you know, in, during the, um, in, in your, what do you call it? Show notes. I'm sure you'll link to the book Triggers, but I also have a free giveaway that's just 10 scriptures that I really encourage moms to hide in your heart. So during those times you can say, oh, that's right. That verse I want my kid to memorize, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil (laughs) with good. Yeah, that's for me too. When my kids are doing wrong, I can do right. I can overcome their wrongs with my right responses.
1: Okay. I'm going to for sure include that. And I'm going to take that <laughs> with me and I'm going to print it out and stick here, take a picture of it or something and have it with me wow. uh, wherever I go and definitely be, be sure to share that. I love the image that you just gave of, and that, the word as well, opportunity. Yes, but the image of being a a coach rather than getting in the ring and being more yes. of the bystander and seeing those moments as opportunities because I think it's definitely quite the opposite. Um, as you're talking about the victim piece, I'm I wish you would have had this conversation three weeks ago because I felt like the victim, but I'm just glad to know that other moms have felt that and that there is there is hope for all of us. Um, I had I was telling someone that uh, when my husband left town, I had the three boys, and I said. You know, I almost feel like I was a a robot And they came in front of me and they pushed every single button all at the Mm -hmm. same time to -hmm. try to break the robot. And then they said, you're not broken enough. So they ripped out the back, they pulled out all the cores, and I just
0: crumbled to the ground. Oh, sweet friend. I know that feeling. And oftentimes when they're ripping out the back, it's at tuck in time. Have you found that? It's like, that was As though the day was not sucky enough. Yes. And I always thought that that tuck in time was like, the golden hour. Like this is when it's gonna be the best. Oh, I'm gonna tickle so your sweet. back. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna sing blessings. <laughs> I'm gonna love you, and you're gonna love me, and we're gonna love God together, and it's gonna be just wonderful. And then it's not
1: is <laughs> the final straw that breaks the mama's back. Yes, but just to know that I think for, for moms that are listening, if you've had that moment where you have felt like the victim and you have felt like the robot just crumbling to the ground, every button has been pushed. Right. There, there are opportunities for you and you don't have to get in the ring and just allow them to, to do that. There's, there's, right. there's ground to hold to. And
0: so, yes. Yeah. And I'm seeing that as I have now three teenagers, you don't stop having triggers. The chip triggers does two things. One, they morph because their lives are changing. They're developed. They're at different developmental, but as they get bigger, those triggers get bigger. So you know, you think of a kid stealing a piece of candy and lying about it to your face. Okay. Think of them taking a vape and lying about it for a month or a year or whatever. And you see, if you don't learn to deal with your triggers when they're young, then what feels out of control now is going to really get out of control then. So practice. You you maturing Gosh, in these good. young years with your kids and then teach them to mature so that, I mean, they are going to, I'm I'm not speaking that scenario over your kiddo. I'm just saying that when they try things and they will try things at two and at 12 and at 18, they will, it is actually their job to push against us. And it is our job to hold the line in kindness, with firm boundaries that are for their benefit to stay calm so that we can have reasonable and loving dialogues and not blaming and shaming monologues that crush spirits. But let's practice on them when they're young so that they're not just learning, but we're learning too. So that as the triggers and our kids get older and bigger. We're ready to deal with them with love and respect um, in a way that's going to be helpful, not, not harmful.
1: Thank you for that today because I'm just, I think that I've always said this is a training ground for my kids and I have forgotten that it's a training ground for myself too. And I think we all need to hear that too, that while we feel like our kids are in training, that reminder that so are we, Yeah, we are in training too.
0: And we are being transformed day by day, minute by minute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I say, I think in the end of the, somewhere near the end of the book, oftentimes our kids feel like sandpaper. Rubbing up against yes. us uncomfortably. But when I consider who can I trust with sandpaper more than a carpenter? And I take it to Jesus. He knows what to do with sandpaper. He knows that he wants to use that to refine us and to shape us into a smoother, more beautiful representation of who he is, who the father is. And um, and that's what I want. I want to grow up. I don't just want to muscle through this season so my kids grow up somehow, not only to be good, but to be godly too. When I yield to that transforming, that maturing process, that is a beautiful invitation to my kids. But it's not such a beautiful invitation when I make it all about the things they're doing wrong and need to do right. But I can model it and I can invite them up into maturity with me.
1: I love that. And I love too that you've just you've written about I think the realness about motherhood and I just feel like so often whether that's on on just social media or in books or out and about there's a lot of pressure at moms for moms and you just feel like you're the only mom who fill in the blank struggles doesn't have it all yeah. together feels like they're nagging all the time Feels like the sandpaper. Um, and that's a hard thing. We all yeah. dream of motherhood, or at least a lot of us have just dreamed of being a mom. And when it, it does it, it ends up feeling like sandpaper and not a fantasy. Yeah,
0: you know, I have to tell your, your listeners um that as we record this, we're actually on a video together. And so I can see your face as you're saying this. And there was one <laughs> moment you took a quick breath, but your faith was your face was showing me like, okay. You don't need to get emotional. Keep it, you know, I'm a hostess. I got to keep it.
1: But they
0: can't see your face, but we can't see theirs either. so true. And I think there's just a connection that we have in this conversation because we all want, we all want to love our kids well. And we, the more authentic and real we can be about what our common triggers are, the more likely we'll be able to slow down. Sit down, write down right responses, craft some parenting scripts for ourselves. figure out what we mean to say before we say something mean, and become intentional in crafting those right responses in those common wrong-triggered moments.
1: I love that. Yes, and you're right. They can't, they can't necessarily see our, our facial expressions or my facial expressions, but I think there's so much more behind everything that we see. And so I'm just grateful that we get to come alongside of other moms too, in this conversation and say, I see you, I yeah. see you and, and I get it. And we're in this together. And there's, so I'm, I'm grateful that you've put together so many resources that I'll definitely be sure to, to include. Um, I I'd love to kind of hop to like the next thing that you've put out because you've done so many amazing
0: things. Yeah. I had said that it, but it all came from triggers. It all came out of triggers. Um, so it was actually in that same Facebook group that we went the next step and said, okay, let's actually craft, let's, let's get intentional. Let's craft some right responses. And so there's triggers and then there's the follow-up book parenting scripts, but it was also in that Facebook group where I said, Hey, what would happen? And I mean, I said it off the cuff. What would happen if we set down sugar for 40 days? And what I meant was like, you know, we see our kids going bonkers when they come home from bonkers (laughs) when they come home from a birthday party. Right. And you've got a lollipop stuck to their hair. And then there's the, the artificial food dye from the frosting of the cake, you know, staining their mouth and they're happy for like five minutes. And then all of a sudden they're crying. Right. And they're on the floor and we can see what happens to our kids when they're when they have too much sugar. And I, my guess is most of you are pretty good at limiting their sugar intake, you know, when they're with you in your house, but we get them down for naps. And I I think that a lot of us as moms, we go to the pantry and we go to that half eaten bag of of um, chocolate chips, or the leftover brownie, yes. or the you know another sweet latte from our yummy Nespresso, and we put pour our syrup in it. Um, or we're out and we swing through Starbucks. Or you know we're fueling ourselves and turning to sugar in a season where we're already up and down and all around struggling with our own emotional ability to stay regulated. With our kids, wondering why they can't. And um, so I I think just physiologically, I was inviting moms, like, if we set this down for 40 days, will we be calmer, kinder, more consistent, maybe even more Christ-like? And so, I mean, this this was eight years ago, and a bunch of women said, yeah, I'll do it with you. And within the week, we were like, oh, this is not a physical detox. This is a spiritual fast. Because instead of turning from sugar high to sugar high to get us through our days, we started turning to the most high. We were actually stopping what we had been ingesting to get us through our hard days. And we started ingesting more time with the Lord, opening up his word. It's so easy to say, I'm too busy in this season of my life. But we yes. started feasting on God's word. And I remember that very first... uh year i said let's get a cake a cake plate out put it in our kitchen and put a bible on it just remember that this is what i'm going to go to instead of stress eating instead of turning to comfort food i'm going to turn to the comforter instead of self medicating with sugar i'm going to turn to the great physician and ask him to heal what's broken and what's hurting and i'm reminded of that scripture come to me when you're weary and heavy laden and I'm going to give you rest. That's Jesus's invitation to his actual friends, his earliest disciples. And it's his invitation to us. And yet so often we turn to other things. And so year after year, I've continued to lead this 40 day fast. And actually I'm going to be leading it again this January. Um, it'll start January 9th and always a boatload of moms sign up because they've heard these messages going, yes, yes. Yes. I want to turn to God because I will be calmer and kinder. If then, it, when I turn into Starbucks, that doesn't help me parent well. Um, but it was also in that group, you know, like I said, one, one message has led right into the next. So then that same group of, of moms where I said, okay, what else are you turning to? And in mass, everybody said, it's my phone. And I said, okay, well then let's do a 40 day fast of setting down our phones. It really was a phone fast. It's like, let's get intentional. What are you turning to on your phone? Okay. Social media, we'll make it a social media fast. It's always looking at the news and always texting friends that it needs to be a good news you know, season of our lives. It's a Facebook. No, let's get your face out of Facebook. Let's get it in the good book. How's it going to transform your parenting? Oh my goodness. I think that's social media fast maybe the very best for of all the parenting books, because you're looking up. And I had a mom once say to me, um, Wendy, I enjoyed my kids yes. so much during the, the 40 day social media fast. And I said, it's possible that you enjoyed them more, not just because you were engaged, but because their behavior was better. And she's like, what? What do you mean? Why would their behavior be better? And I said, because negative attention is still attention. So if you're always behind a screen, if you're always distracted, they need to get your attention. But if they have your attention, then they just get to kind of rest into that relationship rather than try to figure out how to get, you know, push your buttons, and get you worked up and get you engaged, but you are engaged. So it's possible For as sure. you set down your phone and lift up your eyes, that you're going to find them there more calm and kind themselves. And as you lift up your eyes, you're going to, you're going to find the Lord. So we, we fast from social media and we get social with him and we are more available to our community of friends and our spouse will have more energy at the end of the day, for lovemaking and engaging with our husband because we're not all tapped out, you know, exercising our thumb and scrolling through these things that drain us. So it's been one right into the other. But now this last one really does flow out of these last two. Every time we fast, From whatever it is we fast, the goal is to feast. So whatever we've been shoving into our mouth or shoving into our eyes and shoving into every crack and crevice of our days, we're setting those down and we start ingesting. We start feasting on God's word and his presence right there in our lives. Instead of turning from sugar high to sugar high or turning to our phones, you know, a fork in one hand, a phone in the other, we're setting those things down and we're going to start feasting on God's word. And that doesn't just change our diets. That changes us on a really core level. And I've found that so many Bible-believing moms aren't Bible-reading moms. And so this 40-day feast isn't just to feed you Bible stories for 40 more days. My hope is that when you get to the other side of those 40 days, you're going to be not only inspired, but equipped to start opening up your Bible and reading it yourself. And maybe not by yourself, maybe inviting your kids to do it with you. So I'm really excited about this new resource. And right after this upcoming 40-Day Sugar Fast, I'm going to be rolling into a online community where we go through the 40-Day Feast together. And I know that you've got all those links in your show notes, but I'm really excited about it.
1: Yes. I just love that you've created community around so many struggles, right? So Mm -hmm. many things behind the scenes that I think are barriers. And I do believe too, that the more good, like for those that have a hard time taking away, it's like, well then feast. Yes. Focus on the 40 day feast. And if you fix your eyes, like the more good, I think that's, with anything in life, the more good that we put into what we see and eat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm all about that, right? Like what goes into our bodies and our minds and yeah. our mouths and our eyes, everything that we're putting in, if we can do more good there, naturally there's not a lot of space left for the other things. And True. so I just, I love that idea of of the 40 day feast, but also as a community, you're not doing it by yourself. You can you can come in and join other, other women and other moms who are who are spending a season to really reset and get intentional. And I feel like that's a common theme of a lot of guests that I have on the podcast is like living with intention. Yes, And I woke up this morning thinking of that um, as we're kind of recording this in the Advent season of how can I be more intentional this season? How can I be more intentional this year? And I think it really takes that conscious effort of thinking what that looks like. And so I love Mm -hmm. that you've put together really a guide of we're going to live 40 days intentionally and allow ourselves to build those new habits, our minds to be
0: transformed, and also to do it as a community. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I love this community. I mean, I really, really do. If you join this uh, sugar fast, there. are I think there are over 50,000 women in this Facebook group because we've been doing this over the years and everybody invites their friends. Everybody comes back year after year. It's crazy. We go through the exact same devotional and, and everybody loves sharing pictures of it because every year they'll use a different color of highlighter and leave different <laughs> notes. It's, it's really fun. There's a lot of engagement. And then this year afterwards, we'll go straight into the feast together. And after that, because we'll have been so engaged online, we'll log off. As a community and rest and just engage at home and make sure we're lifting our eyes and we're balanced out there. Um, And it'll give me some time to rest and refuel as well and ask God, what's next? Right? Because one thing leads into the next. Sure does. It sure does. As you're talking about the 40
1: day sugar fast, I'm just thinking about my parenting script that I pulled that is not a good one. So I need to rethink that one. But when my kids go bonkers and bouncing off the walls, I say, see, it's the sugar. Say hey, sugar, I let you have another piece of that candy and look what it did to you, which is not yeah. a good parenting script. So I'm gonna go rethink that one after this episode of the script. No, that might be a
0: perfect <laughs> uh parenting script for, for myself you to say to yourself and say, huh, I'm noticing a pattern here. What kind of sweet treats, what kind of rewards that aren't, you know, going to send them skyrocketing? Because it's fun to celebrate with food together and oh, we had a good time. Let's get in the car from our time at the park and and have. Blah blah blah. You yes. know, it doesn't need to be highly sugared fruit snacks. It can be something else. So um, yeah, that's a good one that we, the, the internal scripts, that's what I call them.
1: Internal. I like that. Yes. The internal yeah. scripts. So I'm definitely going to go kind of rethink that one. What I tell to myself and yeah. what I tell to my kids or what I allow or don't allow, I think is is a good way to just rethink intention, especially as we go into the holidays, which is always crazy. Absolutely. I'd love to hear just as a mom and an author and a speaker and all the 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 things that you do, what is just something you wish you could tell your younger self or something you wish you had known sooner in the journey? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, here's something that instead I'd like to say I did know and I had to muscle through and keep it at the forefront. And that is you can't do everything. I, I wrote one of the chapters in the book triggers is on multitasking. If you're doing everything, you're, you're, you're going to melt down when your kids do something small, you know, the, the whole don't cry over spilled milk, I think it's for the moms, the moms that yes. are spread too thin. If you've been saying, yeah, I'm, I'm the leader of the PTA and I'm also the team mom and I'm doing this. And I'm also hosting this with my family this holiday and I'm doing that. And then they spill milk. It's hard to not take that personally. So um, there is a chapter that I did not include in, in triggers. Um, that's for me. And for anyone else who feels even called to ministry within the church or or online, and that is that one of my triggers is serving God beyond my home, because if I'm if I'm all poured out outside of my home, then I got nothing left for inside of my home. So I try very hard to limit. So you said I'm an author and speaker and blah 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 blah. I have only been speaking maybe three times a year in this season. And I thought by the time my kids became teenagers that I would have a lot more bandwidth. Um, That was my expectation. And it hasn't worked out that way. And that's okay. My husband and I right now are in a season trying to figure out, okay, this is harder than we thought it was going to be. Where are our yeses going? And what do we need to do to help our kids get to the place where we do have more bandwidth? Why don't we? Should we? Did we have a false expectation? So I guess the thing is, I always tried to limit what my yeses were so that I could give my very best yes at home. And you don't need to be homeschooling and you don't have to be doing all the things at home for this to apply You can still be working outside of the house. You can be doing a lot of things, but just make sure that your most important thing is your most important thing. And if other things are vying for attention, where can you cut back? Um, And I often say with friends when we're having sincere conversations, just, you know, face to face, I'll say, where's there the most fruit in your life? Where's God saying, wow, this is really worth putting your intentions toward. Like if you're the team mom and you've noticed that there's actually spiritual fruit on the team because you're making relationships with people in your community um, and your kid feels loved because you're bringing orange slices and Capri Suns or whatever, that's a place to give your yes. But if you're giving your yes everywhere and it's making it so you can't quite cope with tuck-ins peel back some of that stuff. It's okay to not be giving your yes everywhere so that you can give your very best yeses where there's fruit and where you want to see fruit. That's a really good lesson. Yeah. And a good reminder, because I think
1: we want, especially women, we, we have a discomfort with saying no. We have a pride with saying yes. Yes. And we also have a very limited capacity. We do
0: have a limited capacity.
1: And it's it's really, it's an art to figure out, like you said, yeah. where, where is the fruit and being very selective about the things that we are choosing, that we are allowing right. in, because everything cannot come in or we
0: will feel washed out. And so that's just a really, really good reminder. Absolutely. And I think in our generation, we have all these new opportunities, not just because the world's expanded online and we can do this, this, and this, and have a side hustle over here. But in the last couple of generations, women can go and do and be everything and anything. And that's thrilling, but we're also called to be this core center of our home. And even if you have a very hands-on husband, you know, it's usually, but the home is mom's kind of, the one that makes sure that everything's functioning well within the home. Even if your husband says, Hey, send me a shopping list and I'll pick up groceries. It's still, our fingers are in everything. And so as we have these opportunities to go and do and be all these things, it doesn't, it doesn't stop us from having this really most important responsibility with our people. And, uh, We just need guardrails. We do not to, not to hold you back, but to keep us, um, where God has us in each season. It doesn't mean that it has to be a hard pass on all the things, but it might need to be a limited capacity, or you might need a team of people surrounding you. You might need to be able to delegate even some work in your home. If you need help in your home and you need to bring somebody in so you can give your yes somewhere else so that someone can come in and help you clean once a week. Or get a, mo- a, a, a like a um, mommy's helper um, a couple afternoons a week when it's just playtime, so that you can finish up the things you gave yeses to, and you're not trying to do all the things at the same time. So, um, those things can become some of our biggest triggers because we're just spread thin. And you mentioned something a bit ago
1: that. I just want to speak to you quickly, but you talked about as your boys have gotten older, you thought you were going to have more capacity. You thought things were going to look really different. And I think it's really mm-hmm. letting go of this expectation that we have as moms, as women to say, well, as soon as my kid is out of diapers, as soon as my kid right. is walking and talking on his, as soon as my kid gets past the school year, we create these ideals in our
0: minds of what it's going to be right. when, what it's going to be when. Right. And it's not just because our kids are going to be out of control teens. It can just be, I didn't expect to have a 14 year old who's competing at such a high level uh, with a sport. And I've always been like, like we never did sports. I mean, we did sports, but not competitively because we wanted to to prioritize family time and church time and togetherness. Um, But then once we gave a yes, he just excelled really fast. And his dreams, he's got some really- big dreams. And he works at them with such intentionality and um, impressive work ethic that my husband and I have decided to throw our support behind him. And we've prayerfully Considered what that's going to mean financially and time wise. So we didn't expect some of those things. So it's not just like, gee, things are out of control. I didn't expect it this hard season. It's pivoting the intentionality. It, it is pivoting. It really requires on staying on your tiptoes and getting ready to just pivot. You're right.
1: Yes. And I just, yeah, I think letting go of that scenario or the ideals that you think are going to happen when it's kind of holding those plans loosely is the way I like to think of it, is like pursuing them fully. Yes. Yeah. And if
0: you don't, if you hold, if you hold them as a fist, um, you know, that's going to be a trigger too. Absolutely. Because again, you'll be a victim. Why are my kids doing this to me now? Right.
1: Like you said, inconvenience, cause now you're inconveniencing the plan that I had and the ideals. And I think that's, that's a big, right. that's a big one I've been trying to learn is really that reminder of it is a blessing, not an inconvenience. It is an opportunity, mm. not an inconvenience. It is right. I have to keep telling myself that. And I just, yeah, it's working on that Selfishness at the core of who we are as humans. Yes. I'm curious just to hear your kind of thoughts around um success.
0: So, how do you pursue a successful life? Mm. Successful life. Um man, I I am so grateful that the Lord um got a hold of my life at a young age and I love him. He is the love of my life and um I stay close to him and my desire is to do what he opens up doors for me to do and to love people. Well, Um, I know that we have a lot of different personalities listening in on this conversation and I would say most of my best friends are drivers and are driven for success and they, they love to have goals. I wouldn't say I'm an ambitious person. I am an inspired person. Um, God puts a lot of inspiration in my heart and mind. Um, and like the sugar fast, (laughs) I didn't even mean to have an inspired moment when I was just like, hey, what would happen if we set down (laughs) sugar for but God has led me from one good work to walk in to the next, not because I'm driven to be successful as some sort of online or, or book author, influential Jesus person. So, um, staying close to the Lord, um, and inviting others into the growth he's inviting me into really is my goal in life. And, um, and my, my deepest relationships with him and with the real life people in my life, I think that's, that's where I really want to have success because those lead to legacies. And, um, and beyond that, God just blows my mind that lives are changed. And I get messages saying my family life changed when I did triggers or my life changed. I gave my life to Jesus when I did the sugar fast. I mean, those are just, I feel like I'm sitting in the front row of a, of a theater and there's this, this exciting scene unfolding before me. And I just want to stand up and give a standing ovation to what God's doing in people's lives, but it doesn't really feel like success in terms of, I was involved. I gave God my, here I am, send me. Yes. Years ago. And I just have been sitting there watching him move. And, and I love seeing him move in my kids' lives. And I love seeing him move, um, during our 40 day sugar fast. And each time I go through triggers with a a community of women, um, yeah. So that, man, that was a lot of talking for a simple question,
1: but it was packed with goodness. And just the idea, mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, we, we want to set goals. And I think some people are rewired wired that way, but I think it's so beautiful to say, here I am, send me, and that's my goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And allowing him to move through that and give you a front row seat to the work he's doing through you yeah, for you. And ultimately for him, I think is just such a beautiful life.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, I agree. Yes, Thank it, you.
1: Oh, so good. Well, tell our listeners where they can follow along and and find you sure. and hear about all the things that you're doing because this will release around the time when some of these things are starting. And so yes. I'd love for them to be a part
0: of this. You no, know, the timing is perfect. The timing is just perfect. And please, if you're still listening, this was a nice long <laughs> conversation. Um, Do head on over to 40daysugarfast.com. That's the number 40, 40, 40 daysugarfastcom and sign up for this um upcoming sugar fast there are so many moms and you will experience not just maybe a a transformation you'll you'll lose a few pounds But you're going to gain so much more. You're going to gain faith. You're going to gain perspective on what you really want to be feasting on. And then we'll roll straight from that into the 40-day feast. And um, from there, if you're still with me and you want to log off for 40 days, we'll go into the 40-day social media fast. But I also really do encourage you to grab a copy of Triggers. You can find it on Amazon. Again, I'm sure that there are going to be links in the show notes. And then uh, you can find me all the places if I'm not fasting (laughs) from social media like instagram and um, facebook at wendy speak well
1: thanks for listening in on this week's conversation with wendy speak in case you missed any of the truths and takeaways she spoke to in this episode here they are number one figure out what you mean to say before you say something mean as she says if we can do right when they do wrong we can invite them into maturity number two we're all in training oftentimes there's something god wants to do in us first Number three, a reminder that training is long suffering and not to blame and shame them when they're not going the way that we train them once to go. Number four, you are not a victim. You are a mom. This is one I have to remind myself of often, which leads to number five. We can stop taking it all so personal. Number six, everyone to your corners. I love that analogy of just everyone going to your corners. We don't need to get in the ring all the time. Just Everyone to your quarters. Number seven, triggers are opportunities to parent. Number eight, if you don't learn how to control your triggers now, they will only grow. And lastly, you can't do everything. Choose your yeses wisely. Thanks for joining me this week. If you haven't already, would love for you to subscribe to the podcast or share this episode with a friend, someone that you really feel um, needs the encouragement this week. And if you haven't already, would love for you to also take a few quick seconds. If you listen on Apple Podcasts to leave a quick review, that's what helps this conversation and so many more like this to get shared with so many others. So thanks for tuning in and until next time.